Good morning. This is the Daily Wrestling News for December 31st, 2020, New Year's Eve. It's Thursday. You know what that means. My name is Ryan Joy, and I'm coming to you live from Minister Beltime Studios on the beautiful Treasure Coast of the Sunshine State. And I am joined today once again by the salesman of fun, Travis Severance. Travis, how are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, we have basically today's show is we're going to talk about Brody Lee and what we saw last night, and then we're going to talk about Wrestle Kingdom. We'll do trivia, and we'll get out of here. So um, it's actually really jam-packed. So 30 minutes is probably aggressive today, so we'll, we'll do what we can, but, you know. All right. Today, let me ring the bell here if you're ready, Travis. I am. All right. Today's ridiculously random non-wrestling audience needs to know you better question of the day is brought to you by Pro Wrestling Pick'em. It's a place where you can join or host a Pick'em League to test your predictive skills in the world of pro wrestling. Create an account and join a league now at ProWrestlingPick'em.com so you can play against your friends or play against the universe. And as my friend Al Carl likes to say, guys, she'll like it too. It is good. So, uh, Travis, your question today is, what's your favorite ride at Disney World? Favorite ride is the Rockin' Roller Coaster. Um, mm. It's an Aerosmith-themed roller coaster. Um, I love it because the first time I rode it, I would, did not know what to expect when you get in the cars and you go. And boy, does it really put you into action right out of the gates. Um, so I enjoy. I'm not going to spoil the ride for anybody that hasn't been able to ride it, but I, I enjoy that roller coaster a lot. It, it might be because of my um, longtime affiliation with professional wrestling or whatever, but uh, Space Mountain for me, you know, oh. and I know that's Ric Flair's nickname, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, that rock and roller coaster is, I think that's my wife's favorite. You know, it's the one we have to have to hit as soon as we get into MGM so that we can make sure that we, or Hollywood Studios, as they call Hollywood it. Hollywood Studios, right? yeah. Yeah. Um, so that we can hit, you know, before the lines build up and then use our fast pass later. Fast pass later. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it goes without, uh, I mean, I, I think we have to answer the elephant in the room that, you know, I wearing the same shirt today. Um, yeah. We're in a mariachi band. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. By Eddie uh, Kingston. Pure, pure coincidence, but you know, it just is the first thing I noticed when we, we were talking backstage. So, mm -hmm. um, Shout out to Eddie Kingston. I guess uh, we should get some sponsorship money from him today. I think. Yeah, exactly. Eddie's Eddie's great on the stick. He was good last night. He, he's always been good. I mean, he's very underrated and underappreciated. So I like to see that he's getting some some spotlight now. Yeah. So last night, um, that's that's kind of the the first thing we want to hit on. Um, basically, every show of the last week, people have been talking about uh, Brody Lee. And last night we had the tribute show. Travis, you haven't had the opportunity to speak uh, speak publicly about Brody Lee, and I know being from uh, living in Rochester, you have a kind of a special connection that maybe some other people don't have. Um, anything you want to say about Mr. Brody yes. Lee to kick us off? So, um, I the first time I, I I got exposed to Brody Lee was in 2005. There was a there was a show, wrestling show that was at a actually at the Red Wings, which is our minor league baseball team stadium. And 
he was there and a whole bunch of guys were there and they were promoting themselves. And there was a bunch of guys from kind of outside the area that were there to McFoley and Sandman and stuff like that. And they had a battle Royale and stuff. And I said, Oh, this is really neat. Where do you guys, and one of the guys handed me a flyer and said, well, we do shows. Well, the show that they, the place that they did their shows out of was, was just down the street from me about an hour away or about, about a mile away from my house at the time. So I show up to the show and it's NWA upstate and it happens to be their upstate eights tournament, which is something that they do every year. Sometimes it's a tag tournament and sometimes it's singles. So to go through um, that, that show itself had, so he was announced, Brody was announced as Colt Cabana's mystery partner. So him and Colt Cabana were one of the teams um, in the first rounds. They beat the Olsen brothers, which one of the Olsons is Colin Delaney that we saw yeah. before Brody came up in the second round. They lost to Roderick strong and Austin Aries. And okay. on that show as well was Cody Diener and Sean Spears was one of the, was one of the tag teams. And Matt cross was on with a guy named Josh prohibition as well. And they actually ended up winning the, winning the event. But I mean, just coming in thinking you're going to see some kind of local scrub indie show and watching all the talent. Like I was kind of hooked. So we ended up, you know, I talked with a guy that owned the business that I eventually bought and we, we sponsored them for a couple of shows and different things like that. And they kind of moved to an arena that was closer to, to our store and we let them borrow tables and chairs and stuff. So they had their mooch boots set up. And, and then afterwards we would do a, we would do a, a WWE raw deal tournament. And then afterward, after every WWE pay-per-view, a bunch of guys would come in from, from there, from upstate NBA upstate. And Brody was always one of the guys And man, just a class act all the time. Always said thank you to all the sponsors and appreciated being able to host and stuff. And was just a really good, you know, a gentle giant type guy. Like, you could tell he was somebody that liked to bust balls and stuff like that, but he was it. He didn't do it in a mean spirited way. So like, if he's busting your balls, he's busting your balls, but he's having a good time with it, and everybody's like, "Oh, you know, that's just kind of Brody," as opposed to like, you know, the cynical, like the darker side of of pranks and stuff like that. He was always the 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 front of the fun and was revered by the locker room, and it was just the guy that 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 they always had, whoever the feature was that came in. I mean, he did it. I got to see the following show was a, you know, it was a steel cage match. They brought in abyss and he, he wrestled abyss in a steel cage. And, you know, abyss is somebody that was very popular at that time. And to see his mobility and athleticism in the ring as a big guy, like he is, I think was the thing that really drew my attention to him initially. And I mean, it's certainly something that stood out for him throughout his career, for sure. Being a big guy and being as athletic as he is being able to do the moves that he could do was, was a sight to see for sure. I mean, you talked about his, how genuine of a person he was. And I, I mean, it's been said a million times at this point, but that's kind of the theme of the outpour that we've seen. You know, everybody that speaks about him um, talks about how genuine of a guy he was and how great of a person and uh, exceptional human, uh, loving father, uh, committed family man. And, uh, you know, that was a big theme of last night's show too. And, you know, of course the way it ended with, uh, with Brody Jr. being awarded the the lifetime TNT championship, and they're going to retire that belt now, um, and Darby will get some something new to go forward. But that was Brody Lee's the championship that he held there. So, um, yeah, really, um, I mean, last night's show was it, somebody uh, BJ in the minutes to bell time uh, conversation thread kept saying, "Who's cutting all the onions?" And that's kind of how it felt. Um, yeah, you know. it was a crazy show to watch that way. Um, I mean, we've we've obviously experienced um, it, for as long as we've been watching wrestling, we've watched 
wrestlers that have passed before, you know, and in most of the time it's, or a lot of times it's, it's, they don't die of old age typically, you know, um, usually there's some kind of a tragedy linked to it. I mean, Brody's 10 months younger than I am and there, you know, there isn't this, it isn't a car crash or a drug overdose or any of those kind of things. It's just, you know, one of those life things that happened and it, it, it caught all of us off guard because which is strange for me because I probably stick my nose in the dirt sheets more than I should. And like, there was no rumbling of this. I mean, the last time I was on the show, I mentioned, Oh yeah. And we, I got to assume that Brody's on his way back too. you know? So we talked about it. None of us really knew what was going on behind the scenes as far as that goes. And usually that's something that man is. So I think that speaks a lot to the respect that people had for him as well. You know, he was obviously going through some stuff people over there knew what was going on and, and and it wasn't leaked and it wasn't out. So the reverence that they kind of handled that situation and how they've handled it since has been, you know, unprecedented. Um, yes. and, and man, you know, to see the, the pictures at the end of the show with all the people from WWE, I mean, this is a guy who kind of embodies the spirit of what, you know, the upstate New York man is, he was a grinder, just, you know, Chikara and Dragon Gate USA. And he did a loop in Tokyo and Jersey all pro. And, you know, at the beginning, when they did the salute, you saw the camera focus in on Sean Spears. Sean Spears was another guy that was coming up at the same time. And, you know, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley and a lot of those guys from, you know, that CZW era wrestler and stuff, just so many guys that he, that he got to work with and kind of come up through the ranks with, um, it was just, it was awesome to see. It was, it was really well done. Yeah. The, um, the show opened with a, with a 10 bell salute, which is pretty common when you have a, a wrestler or someone pass. Um, but it, I know I was there live. Um, and it was, it was interesting to see the, the dark order came out first and they kind of stood in the middle and then um the heel side of the locker room came out and then the baby face side of the locker room came out and by the time everybody was out there that wanted to be out there uh, the dark court you couldn't even see them um you know in the stands it was every everybody was there tony Khan front and center um yeah that initial camera angle that they brought us all in on from from our couches there was a lot of personnel on that on that stage at that point and you know everybody was obviously really upset um, yeah and i mean then they went to you know john john moxley whose whose basic message was that he hopes brody lee inspires all of us to just be a little better every day um you know and then they had tributes like that throughout the show um where people spoke jericho spoke bryce remsburg you know caused everybody to cry because he yeah. was very emotional um yeah, the, the, the interesting part about the Moxley bit was, you know, it, you could tell that John was looking back at the words that Brody said and said, hey, there's all these great things in life. You're grinding it through. And John was like, nah, you know, I'm kind of a different yeah. kind of cat. You know, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm a solo guy. And it's interesting to see where John's real life is today. Versus those words that Brody said, because obviously he's got the marriage with Renee and he's got his first kid on the way. And he saw the way that, you know, that kind of changed the way that Brody's outlook was not that he wasn't ever a family man because, you know, he was. But, um, you know, I think it 
it hit him a little bit harder because that's the person that he kind of wants to emulate when it comes to those kind of things. Because you do, you hear all these stories about, and, you know, Ric Flair has been very candid about the lack of time that he got to spend with his, with his kids because he was on the road so much and so on and so forth. And it's, you know, it's interesting. You see him make, you know, Brody obviously worked his ass off to get his WWE shot when he did back in March of 2012. Um, and, and he, he came up through that. And I think, you know, as he was there and he saw, that he could go with anybody on the with on anybody on the roster. And we saw that with his matches with Randy and John Cena and all the top card guys that he got to work with. Um, it got to be where family was more and more important. And I think a lot of the luster of AEW for him was, and there was a sports illustrated article on him in, in September where he kind of talked about that, you know, it's, it, it's the creativity that he got to have control of his and, and to be able to make his own character the way that he wanted to, as well as, the schedule just wasn't as rigorous, you know, right. that, you know, I could do this job and I could be on top of my game and I could be in a spotlight and I could do the character the way that I wanted to do the character. And I could also, you know, I don't have to miss out on baseball games and different yeah. things like that and weddings and, and that kind of thing. Cause I'm on the road constantly doing this, you know, this crazy house show loop and, and, you know, you and I talked about it before with, with CM Punk and the impact that he had on time off in WWE. And we saw that a little bit with Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins taking the time off that they needed to and stuff. You know, it's people like Brody Lee that are quality talent that decide, hey, this change needs to be made. And, you know, hats off to Tony and Cody and the rest of those guys that decided to come up with a company that was focused around bringing us a good entertaining product all the time and not having to necessarily sacrifice your family life and the other stuff that you need to do in the real world in order to be able to do it. It seems to me just everything toxic about the industry kind of gets pulled out. Yes. That's, that's kind of how I view AEW. You know, I'm sure that years from now we'll, we'll hear from somebody or that felt they were wronged at AEW, but you know, you're not hearing it now. Um, yeah. People yeah, seem I mean, to be genuinely happy. And um, it, 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 it's, and I'm positive that they, it's not because they don't have guys that drink too much after the show or stuff like that. Like sure. that's, that's just bound to happen. But the reality of it is that's in every industry regardless, right? That's yep. just humanity in general. You know, I think Aubrey just came out on her Instagram recently and said that she was one year sober. And part of it was she was at a show and after show, she got a little bit too much into it and found out that she couldn't control it. So, you know, that's not something that was a hugely brought up thing. And she brought it up on her own. And that's impressive to see that kind of thing. But it, to me, it seems like it is very different than the old school. You got a man up and Billy up to the bar kind of bullshit we used to see back in the day versus a whole bunch of people kind of wanting to be really supportive of each other in and out of the ring. Um, mm -hmm. And that's that's awesome. That's awesome to be able to do that. So um, some of the highlights from last night's sh um, show is for me, um, every member of the, you know, not every member, but the dark order was in every match um, and the dark order got the pin in every single match. Um, I've never seen Colt Cabana as, you know, cheered as much as he was last night in the crowd. Um, Lance Archer coming out, you know, dressed as Luke Harper was a was a awesome tribute rowan coming out i think was that was the moment you know it was a surprise and you know again cutting the onions right it was the, it was a very emotional surprise but yeah. you know everybody got off their feet um i think those were the big highlights um from the from the show for me um any 
anything else I missed there? I mean, it was interesting. I, you know, everybody was kind of out of character a little bit, I would say. Yes. Um, and at initially, I was annoyed that MJF was coming out kayfabing the whole time. But yeah, me too. I, I understood and I figured it out. Okay. If he doesn't kayfabe a little bit here, the spot with minus one doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, why would he just decide to randomly hit a guy with the kendo stick? And I'm like, okay, you know what? I can appreciate the element of the craft and, and him having a way to work in his kid specifically into the match doing a spot. And, you know, if he just did it blindly, it wouldn't make a lot of sense and it wouldn't be a face move to do that and stuff. So I was, you know what? I felt better about that. And, and I don't know why, and maybe it's because we're so programmed to kind of be in let down a little bit. Like the way that they handled this entire thing was just the class and the kind of reverence that you would want to see a company be able to do it for. And the sad, I think the sad tragic part about the entire thing was he never got to wrestle really in front of a live crowd. Right. So uh, not a day. W. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't, I mean, yes, yeah. there were about a thousand people max probably at his the biggest show he was at in, in Jackson. Yeah. But I mean, we were front row, like I yeah. bought the tickets, Rochester. We're front row on the hard camera side, on the corner. Like I'm ready. Brody's coming out. We were all excited about that. You know, they're Matt Hardy. We Lance Archer, you know, all the speculation, and all the buildup and that, you know, that, that got taken away from him and it's, it's too bad that he didn't get to get that hometown pop because man, the blue cross arena, they would have blew the roof off of that place for him because that's their guy. He's a hometown guy. You know, there's, there's, you know, and not a lot like him. Not, not only did the, the hometown, he get to miss that in the hometown crowd, the hometown crowd got to miss that in him. And then you heard the talent talking, you know, Darby Allen said on air that he's the one guy he wishes he could have wrestled. Sure. Lance Archer kind of said the same thing in the post show. Um, talk about breaking character. Lance Archer and that post show was, um, you know, Lance Hoy, right? It wasn't, it 100%, wasn't Archer. hundred percent, hundred percent. And they're, they're molded similarly, you know, big athletic guys, you know, yes. a lot of those guys like to square up these big skyscrapers. And I think, you know, that's, that's a really hard part about the whole thing. You know, where does it, you know, from the story side of things, where does the dark order go from here? You know, what, what happens to the rest of those guys? Like he certainly solidified that group and, and unified them and, and elevated all of them as far as promotion and, and, and in-ring work and stuff like that to a degree. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, dark order is high right now, right? Like yeah. I mean, obviously from where, uh, when we saw him in Chicago the first time and we were like laughing at the, yes, the ring yeah. guys that came out with the masks and how bad it was. And like, man, this isn't going to last, you know, and they're so hot right now because of this. Um, and they all, I know silver is on, you know, benefited probably the most of anybody, but they're not involved in the next two shows. And, um, you know, maybe they will be, but it, I, if any, if I trust any company to do right by these guys, it's this one. Sure. I, I feel like they won't be forgotten. And, yep. um, you know, I, uh, the, you text me last night, you know, there's nobody that can, nobody can, you know, take his place. And I don't think they're going to try to do that. You know, they, yeah. they'll do something, but they're not going to try to replace, replace him because I don't think they can do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so either. Um, it'll be interesting to see where the faction goes. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he left it like, like you just said, he left it way better than he found it. Oh, without a doubt. Um, without a doubt. Those guys are a lot more capable on their own now than they were before. For sure. Um, as they've as they've actually demonstrated as he's been ill. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So, um okay. 
Um, we have some other business to take care of on the show. I did want to spend a good amount of time on that. And I think we could probably sit here for, you know, three shows and do this. So maybe we will sometime, but um, <laughs> that is, that is not today. Um, so any final thoughts on Brody before we transition to Wrestle Kingdom? I, I, there's not much more that I can say uh, that hasn't been said about him. I mean, the, the outpour from the, from the people in WWE and the, you know, the, the folks on AEW has been pretty, it encapsulates it better than I could as just a normal Mark from Rochester that was really impressed with his ring work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fair enough. Okay, let me let me pull up the cards for Wrestle Kingdom here so that we can that we can talk through those. I'm excited. You were saying day two looks better than day one, and I don't know. I'm a day one guy, but I'm well, guy. yeah, you are. <laughs> Um, you are you are a day one guy. So here, you know, and and as we'll discuss, it's a. I mean, it's not the Travis is an empire guy. So he's he's you know an Osprey. Osprey is his his guy in New Japan, and he's got his big match on day one. Um, Jeff Cobb has a, a match on day two, and he's he's the newest member of the Empire. So we'll see um, we'll see what happens. But the opening match on day one is. It's the Rambo, um, yeah. which might be a new term for people that aren't familiar with New Japan. But what it is is it's a 22-person battle royal where there can also be pinfalls and submissions. And it'll come down to four people that advance to the opening contest of the next night um, after the dark matches. It's perfectly logical. You've got 22 people, obviously. You're going to eliminate down to four, and they can be eliminated basically anyway now there's obviously um wrestle kingdom is way smaller this year than it was last you don't have huge multi-person matches like we like we had last year and of That's course all the pomp and circumstance of jushin thunder liger's retirement last year mm-hmm. um so way way smaller um but they have this battle royal type of thing so it's like who's going to be in this toru yano is the uh, I guess, as Paul Heyman would say, the reigning and defending KOPW champion from 2020. He's bound to be in this match and probably one of the final four. Um, any other names strike you as potential entrants in this? Oh, I mean, Rainbow? any of those. They'll bring out all the oct- octogenarians, I think, right? Like, Yes. <laughs> the dads. We call them yeah. the dads. You know, be all respectful. The, <laughs> the, old, the old, you know, the old lions, I guess we would call them. Um, Onma, Tenzan. Yeah, we're going to see all those guys, you know, Suzuki, and and, and we're going to see a whole bunch of those guys, I'm sure. And then you'll see maybe some young lions and stuff. I, I don't know. I don't have a huge pick for this. The, it, it's given the talent that's on the cards for between the two days and going down through their roster. To me, it didn't seem like there was an obvious King of Pro Wrestling guy that was going to stand out here. But then again, like, I didn't really think Yano was going to win it last year either because Yano's just Yano. But I guess if you're going to give him a spot during the year, that makes as much sense as any. Um, if you're going to create a championship about weird stipulations and funky matches, you know, okay. For sure. For yeah, sure. makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. This this would be the first full year of this style. And, of course, in the pandemic era, they needed something a little different to fill up some cards. So, you know. I liked it. I mean, he body slammed Bad Luck Fale in the last, you know, the last match of uh, his last match of the year. So, 
good on him. Yeah. Again, it's, it's very hard to predict a, predict a winner. So Yeah, especially without the roster really laid out or anything like that. We don't have anybody committing the way that we've seen with Lashley committing to the Rumble and some of the other stuff. So Right, right. Okay, so um, on the main show, the first match is 60-minute time limit. Uh, best of the Super Junior winner versus the Super J Cup winner with Hiromu Takahashi versus El Phantasmo. Um, this match, you know, Phantasmo, if people haven't seen him work, he he has kind of a little bit of Jay White in the style, the heel, like, you know, run away type of heel. And then, but when he gets toward the end of his matches, it's, a, it's kind of like watching the Young Bucks and FTR. It's a tribute to Bullet Club leaders gone by. Um, you know, you'll see a Styles Clash, you'll see a One-Winged Angel, um, and Hiromu is usually just nuts from bell to bell. Yep, yep. Um, so they don't have any matches against each other. Um, Takahashi's actually lost all of his title matches this year. Um, hmm. He lost the junior heavyweight to Osprey, obviously, in 19. Um ran through the super j cup undefeated and now el phantasmo has will debut a new entrance as well they announced the other day so it'll be interesting to see what they what they're doing with that i think with that stuff and not sure i'm not sure what they're going to do with takahashi after this but i think you're gonna i think el phantasmo wins this they're putting that much kind of you know that much of a display of him into that um i could be wrong i mean takahashi was on the shelf like he was a big deal when he came out last year and, oh my god the time bomb's back and this is going to happen and you know obviously came out and, and kind of said he's going to go after osprey and that didn't work out for him so well but the um the theme music that or that's the entrance that you brought up he has been toying with us through several of the uh new japan usa shows where basically the everything is muted as he walks out because mm-hmm. he's not he's not gonna let us hear it so yeah it'll be it'll be fun to see if that's why i can't imagine they're gonna mute the microphones for the opening contest introductions but um we'll see what happens with that and then you know bullet club versus bullet club in the the next night that would that would be and i can see schisms here across all the factions we saw the chaos kind of break up a little bit when you you pull osprey out yeah um elp and robbie eagles have a history and robbie eagles and will osprey have a history sure. so you could see you know maybe elp is your your new empire junior guy you, you know i'll take it yeah 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 <laughs> he can go so, when he wants to so yeah i feel like we're gonna see storylines emerge here um you know the uh the new year for New Japan always is like a, a new beginning. So yeah, in fact, this that's is what like, their like run is called the new yep. beginning. Yep, this should set the table for the next six months of programming or so, or you know, at least bring us into the G one probably um, with the storylines that kind of come out of this for sure. So now the next match is the tag team title match and Gorilla's Destiny. Um, they finally won the World Tag League. It was the you know the one thing they hadn't done. They've won the tag team titles a million times. Um, they're facing Zack Sabre and Tai Chi. That will be their third defense. And um, I mean, I got G.O.D. here. I think the I think the Sabre and Tai Chi are kind of a two singles guys that they've thrown together. And 
I, I think they're going to want to put them back into singles competition and, and move G.O.D. up. So I think that's probably true. I, they, their record as a tag team actually is pretty good, and it goes back it quite a ways. Like, they've worked together for with each other for a long time. And, I mean, they took the titles off of Tanahashi and Ibushi at Dominion, which was... Six months I, ago? Yeah, and I, I don't know. I think Vegas odds on that was probably pretty low. Um, so they've had a decent run with it. It was good for the faction, for sure, to have the belts. Um, I mean you know, before that it was G.O.D. and before that it was G.O.D. and before that it was G.O.D. And like, you know, we had mentioned before on a previous show that G.O.D. is probably the only like real tag, tag, team. tag team other than Show and Yo and they're in a different class. So, um, yeah, it makes sense to kind of go back to that. Um, it could end up being a really interesting show at the end for uh, Bullet Club, depending on how they go with the belt. So they could be, you know, uh, this bullet club splintering and who knows what's going to happen. And we, you know, we, the, the faction hasn't felt as strong as it has in years past and stuff. Um, you know, it could be a very, very golden uh, kingdom for them and set up a really nice year for them moving forward after having kind of a, a quieter bullet club sort of in the background sort of year this year. Well, you know, and, and bullet club is, we talked we already talked about like schisms and stuff, you know, that there's the evil camp and there's the Jay White camp. Yep. And you know, if I you know, if Jay White walks out of Wrestle Kingdom as the double champion, I think there's gonna be a lot of issues there too. So you further splinter. We might have you know, fifteen factions by the time Wrestle Kingdom's over. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean it certainly does feel like the you know, NWO Wolf Pack versus black and white for sure inside of that. Okay, so the third match on the card is uh, IWGP US Heavyweight Right to Challenge. Kenta is facing Satoshi Kojima. It was supposed to be Juice Robinson, but Juice has got a orbital bone injury, so he's out. Um, Kenta, I think, is going to, I mean, he's going to win this match for sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, it'll Kojima. be nice to see Kojima have a great match, um, but I think Kenta's got this. Kojima's 50. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He doesn't have a lot of singles matches uh, recently. You know, he's a he's a second or third guy a lot of times. Um, I think this is the best available for them to fill the spot. Sort of. I mean, he's he doesn't even have a faction. The poor guy in yeah. in, a, in a world of factions. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a quick a quick Kenta one, and you know, could possibly. I don't know. You know, I I I want in my heart Moxley to show up and do something during this match and stuff. Who knows what's going on as far as quarantine and that kind of stuff. And AEW said he's going to be live next week. So they're kind of crushing my dreams on that. Um, they said he returns next week and sometimes you have to be careful with the words, but yeah, but um, it is a live show next week. So, yep. Um, okay. Here first empire match. He's got Tanahashi versus the great Okan. In the fourth match, 60-minute time limit, uh, Tanahashi hasn't won anything all year. He has been really beat down. Yeah, it's been the beat-down tour for him. And then on top of that, too, Okan, before coming back to New Japan from Rev Pro, he went from June of 2018 to March of 2020 in Rev Pro. He won every match except for one six-man match that he lost every match and he's obviously been on a tear here the only you know he yeah. lost to okada but i i he didn't look weak in that match um and he lost in tag league too 
and he uh, lost in tag league. But but other than that, Okan's been kind of a force. And I, not everybody's I favorite wrestler, but I think he's got the push behind him right now. And yeah, action yeah. Is, is being elevated. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with him. Um, I think him changing to the you know the great Okan was a was a good move for him character wise, and obviously being part of this faction is big. So, you know, Ghetto or somebody on the booking team must see something in this guy specifically to make him. And, and Will Osprey talked about it in his interview um, earlier last week about the reason why he selected him, and he saw a lot of him out of the work in Britain and stuff like that. So he got to be pretty close to him. And I don't know. I don't think Will would want to hitch his wagon that's as hot as it is to somebody that 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 can't go or doesn't think can do it so yeah i think this might be a good coming out party for him a little bit more as far as that goes and you know we might see a tanahashi redemption story get set up for for next year because yeah he's just had the snot kicked out of him all year this year absolutely absolutely okay so the match that i think everybody's been talking about for since the g1 climax is this next match of will osprey versus okada um Travis, you in 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 reality, you're not the biggest Okada guy, but you are I, the biggest Osprey guy. I enjoy Osprey as much as I dislike Okada. Okay. So yeah, the, the my my problem going into this thing is, and I know odds, you know the, the roulette wheel. You don't want to look at the at the the tower to look at the numbers that have come up because the odds are the same on every spin. But Osprey hasn't lost. Since October 13th, the Jeff Cobb at the G1, he's 19 and 0 versus Okada since then. He's actually 20 and 0 if you count the win against him in the G1 before, in all match formats. That's yeah. a 20 and 0 run against Okada, who is basically the most invincible juggernaut that they had forever. Like that's a lot of losses for Okada. Um, I mean, he certainly could take another one, but boy. That's a that's a that real beating on Okada for the legacy. And and you know what? In the background, Okada had kind of been panned a little bit for being this, you know, unbeatable guy for quite a while. And Ibushi's kind of taken that that spot a little bit with the the runs that he's had in the last G1s. But I mean, regardless, it's gonna be a phenomenal match. It's Osprey Okada. It's gonna be like it's gonna be amazing. Um, it, it's gonna have good storytelling. This one's 60 minutes, and I expect it to go all of 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and it's a Tokyo Dome, so it's going to be you know five and three quarter stars at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and the next match is Naito Ibushi. They're going to have to work hard, I think, to follow. Um, but but it's going to be a killer match. Um, yeah. I the the biggest thing when you see these two guys is you hope that they can walk the next day. That's that's always the concern with uh, Naito and and Ibushi. He never seems to get injured, but man. It's not for lack of trying. Yeah, these are you're going to see some really nasty bumps. Um, I think the story is is better with Obushi going through here. I think um, you know Naito won the unified the belts last Wrestle Kingdom, um, which was kind of you know you could sort of see that coming. He had the one defense against Kenta, and then he lost to Evil at Dominion, and you know poor Evil. Didn't even get to really defend the belts, and he gave them back. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> you know? they condensed the whole storyline this year because they took out six months of the year, yeah, or whatever it was. But which sucks for him because he is a good performer and stuff. Um, but you know that Naito, Naito and Ibushi haven't actually wrestled each other very much, so 
and which is weird because they both had two really good, you know, back-to-back good G1 runs, but they were on opposite blocks both years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they don't have, there's not a lot of uh, history, recent history with the two of them in the ring together. So it'll be interesting, yeah. which, you know, for as many matches as these guys wrestle and as, as packed as that New Japan, you know, uh, just the number of matches that they wrestle is, it's, it's interesting to see these guys that are two top talents that just don't have a lot of ring work against each other recently. Um, yeah. Well, that puts the cap on night one. And we're, we're talk about the outcomes as they lead into night two here in a second. Um, the, night two opens with two matches from Stardom. Now, Bushi Road is the parent company of New Japan. It's also the parent company of Stardom. So you have some uh, some interconnected pieces here that it works out that you get to have these women's matches because New Japan does not have a women's roster. So um, so this will be this will be nice. Uh, these matches start at 2 a.m. on Tuesday morning. So wake up bright and early to watch those. But uh, I don't I don't have a lot to say about the Stardom matches because I don't know a lot about each of these ladies. Yeah, no, I was and I was kind of surprised. And I know she's come out she's come out with Osprey. Um, but I was surprised to not see Priestley in any of the matches. Um, yeah. She's certainly yeah. prolific on that roster and is a hell of a heel and everybody loves to hate her and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot of familiarity with stardom, sadly. Um, I do catch a couple of matches here and there. And I always go back when AEW brings somebody in with stardom experience, I'll go back and check out some of their matches. So I like to do that just for my own you know, enjoyment and stuff. But stardom isn't isn't something that I follow because – it's a little bit wonky to try to see when their matches are and I'm yeah. never watching it live and it's no Jack commentary. commentary a lot of times. So yeah. it is a bit of a struggle. Um, but it, it, I do like the fact that they're putting that presentation out there and they're putting it on the show um, the way that they are. So that's, that's a good step. Yeah. Showcase that talent, showcase that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, as we've seen on WWE, amazing talent coming out of there. So yeah. Um, okay. First match, we've already kind of talked about it. It's the uh, KOPW 2021 four way match. We have no idea who's going to be in this match. Um, Somebody will win. Be champion. Somebody's going to win. Somebody's going to win the match. Somebody will win the match, and they'll be the provisional champion, not the champion, the provisional champion. They have to defend that all year. Um, so even if they win here, not likely they'll retain it all year, and you know they'll lose to. I don't know, you know, anybody in a body slam or some whatever style match. Middle of a push. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the next match is a junior heavyweight tag team championship match. You got Kanemaru, Desperado, Wado, and Taguchi. Um, Kanemaru and Desperado, the defending champions. Uh, it's their second defense. I don't see any reason why it's not their, uh, gonna, they're going to come out of this on top. Taguchi is sort of, you know, he's, he's in that dad area that we talked about. And Wado kind of brand new. Um, so Desperado is also really hot. He made it to the finals of the Super Juniors. So Yeah, I like Desperado a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, You know, it was interesting with that unmasking in the in the finals of uh, the Super Juniors to, to see where his 2021 goes following that because that is a huge character, not change, but it's a, it's a huge character development mm-hmm. with that unmasking, so. Yeah, we'll see what what happens if they give him some more mic time or the you know the backstage interviews and stuff like that to see what they what they kind of come up with from that. But I mean, his in ring work is is pretty incredible. So. Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, here's another one of your Empire matches. Third match, 60-minute time limit, never open weight championship. Shingo Takagi versus Jeff Cobb. No way does this match disappoint. Absolutely not. And 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 you know, it, I, if if my boy Tomohiro Yushi can't have the never open weight title, I'm perfectly happy happy to have the tour of the islands. Uh, Jeff sure. Cobb do this. Shingo's is really good too. Um, you know, my first exposure to him was G1 last year, and uh, man, it, it, you just got two bricks kind of slamming into each other. So this is going to be your brawler, strong style showcase. I think if you look at the card, you know, without um, Suzuki being on the on the show in a in a real match, you're going to see blow after blow after blow after blow. And Jeff Cobb for his, you know, being built like a a giant reverse triangle he still does crazy flips and nonsense so it just yeah. it, it'll be good brawls to the wall for sure absolutely um picking a winner there i like Cobb. i think i i think i think i think neither it doesn't hurt either one i think if they're gonna if they're gonna do jeff cobb for a long run i think putting give, putting the belt on him he's he's super interesting um, and I don't think, you know, Shingo can, can go with anybody. So I, I think, I mean, I'll take Cobb because my heart says I want the empire to walk out of here really, really strong, um, and set that up. So yeah, we'll, we'll see that, that it's the only, it's the only belt they're involved in too. You know, everything else is kind of more of these yep, showcase matches. So, you know, them winning doesn't shift the title landscape any with the exception of, you know, Cobb possibly walking out with the gold. So I think that's good for their storylines. And it also gives them something to chase as well, while also having some gold. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would like to see Jeff Cobb come out with it. Now that the fourth match, I think is a lot of intrigue around this because it's Sonata versus evil. And I, I think, as we mentioned before, when we talked about this last time, I couldn't understand why they hadn't had this match yet. And now it makes sense. They're doing it on the biggest stage. Um, they both kind of got new ring gear and new looks in the last year. And Sonata needs this win, in my opinion, more than, than evil does. But if they're going to continue to push evil at the top, he'll probably win. But if they're going to make a run with Sonata, I think they've got to do it now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Sonata's super interesting, um, but you're right. They, you know, the way they look now compared to a year ago is, is very, very different. Um, and it, and it really, yeah, it, it does depend on what they want to do with the the Sonata character. I would I would say, if we're gonna see a year of Sonata, this is it, right? Like, let's yeah. kind of let's go, and this will kind of lead that off. I mean, there's there could be some shenanigans in the match. We'll, we could see some of that too, and something could break out of this. But you know, again, it's another non-title match and stuff like that. So they need to tell some story here. So the story has to be one way or another. Um, I don't think you're just gonna see a flat match with a clean finish that they don't just two guys that wrestled with each other a lot and stuff not not doing much so i think i thought kind of all year when um when we didn't get this match i thought there was a chance that maybe evil was going to pull sonata out of lij mm -hmm. um you know i i still don't think that's out of the realm of possibility you could see the offer after the match i think and that's yeah. kind of more along the lines of what i'm thinking um you know if if naito loses the belt Lij would be in a real interesting position at the end of this if Sonata loses and Naito loses and boy, yeah. where do we go from there? And Hiromu, if Hiromu doesn't make it through, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. They could, they could be in a rough spot, which, you know, it's too bad because LAJ is pretty well revered by the fans over there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. They're not going to put a, they're not going to put a bullet in Hulkamania. I don't think. No so. chance. No uh-huh. chance. The fifth match is Ishimori versus the winner of the Hiromu ELP match. And you said earlier, you think maybe ELP gets through. We have uh, Bullet Club versus Bullet Club. Uh, is there any scenario where you think Ishimori leaves with the championship, though? I don't think so. Um, I, I I think that they want to change this. Now, whether they whether they do it with Takahashi or whether they do it with ELP. Doesn't matter. I, th- I think it's a coin toss, but I, I yeah, I don't. I think you're going to see new champion at the end of this show and that's how it is. I mean, it's strange because now that I'm looking at my picks and stuff, there's a lot of belt changes and it's I, not unprecedented. Sure. Um, that final, I think it was 2019 Wrestle Kingdom with the, uh, before the oh, launch of AEW. Everybody changed. Every belt changed. Yeah. I mean, you had a bunch of personnel moving to different yeah. places too, so it kind of had to happen a little bit. But yeah, I, I think this one for sure. I, yeah. I don't think he leaves with the belt. Okay, so our final match is it's the the double championship. It's going to be either Naito or Ibushi facing off against Jay White. Um, unlike the last match, I really don't see Jay White walking out with a title. And it yeah. breaks your heart a little bit, but I don't see it happening. So. So the problem to me with Jay White leaving with the title, with both the titles, is Jay White's character won't allow him to have any real way to come up to split the belts, and I think they need to split the belts. If Ibushi walks away with the title, I think Ibushi can say, "On my honor, we're going to do it. We're going to do a tournament for the lower belt, the lesser yeah. belt, winner of the." The New Japan Cup type of thing. Correct, that kind of thing. And if it's Jay White, there's no way they're going to do that. So no. sadly, I agree. I don't think Jay is going to get the belts here as much as I enjoy Jay and like his work and stuff. Um, Unless they want to push heat at us all year. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, but I, I feel like the happy ending, Kota Ibushi, two G ones. Uh, if they will ever make him champion, they. You know, I said this earlier about somebody else, but if they ever, <laughs> they're going to do it, and now they need to do it. Because you can't run Kota Ibushi as a G1 winner third time in a row. I don't think that's, I don't think that's interesting. I hope not because it does take the interest out of it. Now that's not for me to say that I don't think he could be a three-time G1 winner. But man, if we go into this and it's the next year in a row and and he ends up pulling out the G1 again, I think the interest diminishes a little bit in the G1. Yeah, I do too. You know, um, and this year was a little bit rough, anyways, for all the circumstances behind it. Um, yeah, I, I think this is your, here we go. We've got the belts on the, you know, the gooder guy. And <laughs> kind of got that. And the belts, you know, between, you know, Naito, who's a little bit of a wild card and stuff like that. You, the, the challenge then is you've got face with the titles. It If they if he decides that he's going to split it up quickly, which I think would be interesting, then, you know, you can have a bunch of heels kind of chase after him or whatever and, certainly Osprey could insert himself in that conversation if he wanted to, or any of those other guys. So I, I agree. I don't think Jay comes out of this with a victory, which is too bad because Jay hasn't, Jay hasn't had a lot of big match wins in big, you know, he, the garden, right? Yeah. Yeah. Did he, Okada did Okada win in the garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, he he he's always in big matches, but man, he never seems to win any of them as as often as he's out there and stuff. Yeah, his world title run, he he um, that was kind of putting the Tanahashi put the period on Kenny Omega's story, and mm-hmm. then the next month, first defense lost it to Jay White. So, and then after that, I think Jay White also, yeah, it was. It was his first defense against Okada that he lost. Okada lost it. Yeah, he had it for you know a hiccup, um, but but. I mean, it says a lot about Jay in his mouth because he's still around that area of big title picture and stuff throughout. I mean, obviously, he's, his G1 performances the last three years have been have been phenomenal. So he still keeps himself in there. He doesn't get himself tucked or pushed too far away from the big belts and stuff. And there's a reason for that. But I, I don't think because it's a double belt, if this went in as a single belt thing, I think I would I would pick Jay to win it. But double belts they got to find a way to split that because they're just you're wasting belts at this point you know you got a year of the pandemic where they probably had some plans to split it somewhere as maybe in the middle of that as opposed to being in the situation but just delayed it a year yeah. yeah exactly they had all kinds of cool things lined up last year with uh with Hiromu walking out as the junior champion and naito walking out as the heavyweight champion they were going to face each other all kinds of fun stuff um and it all either got permanently canceled or put on hold so yeah we got new japan back that was nice thank god we still got a g1 this year mm-hmm. um we still got good wrestling out of them yeah um and it's the reset button like we talked about wrestle kingdom and uh new year's dash the next day always fun shows um we may see run-ins it's really harder this year because of the pandemic but um you do get character introductions and then elevations and you figure out who's you know what the next year looks like so if you're planning to jump on new japan this is a good time to do it yeah this is um, definitely the platform time to do it for sure i mean you got a lot of watch you got a lot, a lot of wrestling to watch at you know two in the morning but it's uh it's a good time to jump in it's like or jumping you, in on wrestlemania really or you pay your 9.99 you 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 know you get this in new japan and you can watch it anytime you want um which is the nice part about basically all the wrestling that we see now you can click and watch it whenever it suits you um and the commentary is it, the new japan commentary is great i love that team that, yeah. that does this stuff it's just a really nice nice counterbalance mix um between good and bad and you know, I'm a big Gino fan, so it's it's always entertaining to listen to him. He does a really good job with self-deprecation when he needs to, and then he can play the tough guy when he needs to. And they they got a great team over there, so it's, yeah. it's entertaining to listen to. Yeah, so pay your 999 yen, uh, which comes out to about nine dollars twenty one cents, and uh, you can get Wrestle Kingdom. And and you get the full catalog too. So if you yeah. haven't caught up on anything or you want to figure out why the G1 so special, this year was great because it's condensed. They didn't have all the stuff that you usually do between the the you know the tags and the triples matches in between. So you can watch it in a condensed format, and it was very good. So, sure. all right, I think we've done the New Japan Wrestle Kingdom justice. Uh, we did Brody Lee justice. Are you gonna do justice for yourself in trivia? Was the question. I'm probably gonna stay around the same. Like I, I like to not be too good on trivia because I want you know people in the audience to feel like they've got a puncher's chance. Ah, well. okay. So that's, that's kind what of it is. That's I, makes a ton of sense now. Ton yeah, of sense. you got all these experts that come in and do this stuff and do really well. Um, I'm I can't hang with those guys, but you know I'm 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 the rookie. I'm the new guy. I'm the young lion. There you go. Well, here's our here's our standings. Um. You need three points to not finish dead last. And so you need to get a Goldberg Oscar today. John DeConi coming out of nowhere earlier this week with a perfect plex went five for five. 
on in your house number five, by the way, John couldn't buy a point in the first three rounds or four rounds, and he got them all correct. So I, he must have studied up. Um, your trivia today is it in your house six? All about Starcade nineteen ninety seven. Okay. All right. You you look like you're stretched. You look like that's not a problem. Let's go ahead and play your bumper. All right, so today's trivia is brought to you by my new book. Uh, you've got limited time left to get the $10 price. Uh, there it is. It's going to be about 1,360 pages when all is said and done, um, and it'll be available you know, within two days now because the, the last shows of the year have occurred, so I can update the final statistics and get it out there. Uh, go to thewinsandlosses.com to get a copy of the book. It's less than a penny a page. Come on. Yeah, way less. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Starcade 1997 took place on December 28th, 1997 from Washington, D.C. It's the theme for today's trivia, and your first question is, Eddie Guerrero retained the Cruiserweight Championship in the opening contest against this man. Was it A, Rey Mysterio, B, Juventud Guerrero, C, Chavo Guerrero, Juventud Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, or D, Dean Malenko? Dean Malenko was Dean Malenko, and there was no hesitation in your voice. I feel like no, you... That was a great, great match. Okay. All right. This one year, this was one year before Goldberg's undefeated streak came to an end. Who did he defeat on this night? Was it A, Chris Benoit, B, Ric Flair, C, Dean Malenko? You probably know the answer to that one. Or D, Steve Mongo McMichael? D, Steve Mongo McMichael? It is Mongo. Correct. Two, four, two. You're not making the people at home feel very good today. <laughs> well, they need another 97 WCW Starcade. Like, come on. <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page won the United States Championship at Starcade 1997. Who did he beat? Was it A, Kurt Henning, B, Raven, C, Jeff Jarrett, or D, Conan? massive ddp fan too how do, how is this one the one that i'm stuck on i'm trying to figure out what the angle would have been then was it kurt henning it was kurt henning three That's for three yep. heading into the back stretch mm -hmm. um control of wcw nitro was on the line as larry sabisco fought eric bischoff in the semi-main event larry got the win by disqualification who was the special guest referee was it a bret hart b bobby heenan c jj Dillon, or d lex luger Give me that one more time. Control of WCW Monday Nitro was on the line as Larry Zabisco fought Eric Bischoff in the semi-main event. Larry got the win by disqualification. Who was the special referee? A, Bret Hart, B, Bobby Heenan, C, J.J. Dillon, or D, Lex Luger? A, Bret Hart. It was Bret Hart. Four for four. Okay, a perfect Zabisco, Eric Bischoff storyline was from Scott Hall coming down and giving Zabisco shit week after week after week, and that's kind yes. of what it culminated to. And this was Brett's. This might have been Brett's first initial run. Um, of course, yes, because Montreal Screwjob was November '97. Right. So yeah. this was yeah. This is what was, they brought him out to do. Yep. Um, and the what happened was Scott Hall put a plate in Bischoff's foot or his 
Yeah, um, if you yeah. watch that, it's the worst gimmick ever. The thing goes flying out of his boot, and it didn't <laughs> even hit him and stuff. And yeah, it was that was a rough gimmicked up thing. They tried to put it on the end of his foot, and it just went flying. My, it was bad. No, yeah. got to the finish. Uh, yep. WCW retains uh, or gets control of Monday Nitro. The main event was full of controversy as Sting defeated Hulk Hogan with the Scorpion Death Lock. This came after Hogan pinned Sting, but Bret Hart restarted the match because he believed A, Hulk Hogan cheated to get the pin, B, Nick Patrick used a fast count, C, Nick Patrick was not an official WCW official. Those are your three options. Just three. B, B, Nick Patrick did a fast count. That is correct. Nick Patrick used the facts count. The situation would lead to the title being vacated, and Sting would eventually have to again defeat Hogan at Super Brawl 8 in February, which he did. So, Travis, uh, we hit, we, you know, you get the, I don't even believe I explained the rules, but a simple majority would get you the Goldberg Oscar Award, which you got a simple majority. And um, here you go, Goldberg. But you got everything correct. Therefore, it is a Perfect plex. Perfect. 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 Now, if I review the scoreboard before we get out of here, you elevate yourself to 22 for 30, which gets you the same amount of points as Mr. Al Carl. Al Carl technically still gets the W because he only had 25 questions, but second place is a really good spot to be in when you're coming from the far, far back. Mm-hmm. And poor John Smith was in second place the whole time. And these two perfect plexes in the final week just crushed him. Yep, poor guy. Congratulations. You have something to shoot for in the next month. Scores will be reset. January is a new month. Uh, very good. All right. So um, we're going to get out of here because we are staring at an hour-long show, the longest in history. Um but it's fun. So our show returns on Monday um, with all the great coverage that we have. It's also Wrestle Kingdom Day, so it should be a, should be a great show. We also have uh, the Primetime Rundown. Tune in tomorrow night for the Primetime Rundown with Joey Jarzanka, Ian Schreier, and Rob DeLuca. They bring you the latest in the COVID-19 era of Big East basketball, NFL, and all sports across the country. Coverage will begin tomorrow at 6 p.m. on all Eastern Observer outlets, and you can catch the primetime rundown on demand through Apple and Spotify. You can get iHeartRadio. Visit theeasternobserver.com for details. Travis, any parting words before we get out of here? No, I hope everybody has a great new year and uh, celebrates accordingly. Absolutely. All right. Sayonara. Thanks, everybody. Take care.